Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. And now, it's time! TFA family. What is up? What is happening? My goodness, it's good to be back in the driver's seat with you guys for the 2020 Fantasy Football Super Show on the Fantasy Authority site. I'm your host, Ryan Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Alexander underscore W, and you can already see that we have a plethora here tonight to talk the fantasy football season with you guys. I'm joined with the usual suspects. Child, please. Uh, that's Kevin Steele. You can find him on Twitter at FantasyRad13. And my boy Cody Cutzer. you can find him on Twitter at CCutzerFF. Now, we have three very special guests with you guys. They may be some familiar faces to you, but these are guys established in the fantasy industry. We're excited to talk about this season with them, break it down, chop it up. That's Ben Cummins at Ben Cummins FF on Twitter, doing stuff with the fantasy footballers. We got my boy Maddie D at Maddie DFS doing stuff with line movement. Can't wait to hear Maddie talk about that. And D Brown, Derek Brown at D Bro underscore FFB, holding it down with. F FTN. FTN has been doing big things, Derek, and I can't wait to have you hear us talk about that because, man, it's all exciting. Fellas, we are happy to have you guys here tonight. How's it been? What's up? What's good with 2020? Let's start it off. Let's chop it up. Derek, take the reins. <laughs> Don't make me lead off here. You know, I'm glad to be <laughs> <Of> back. <course. laughs> I mean, we're, we're uh, acting like a bunch of fools here uh, before we turn the mics on, but this is going to be fun, man. Getting to kick it off. I mean, football is sort of getting closer. I'm ready for it, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Ben, how you doing over there? What's going on? What's happening? Sports are back, man. We're thinking positive thoughts, and I'm ready to talk some football with all you crazy sons of bees. Love that. Love that. And Maddie D, line movement, my man. How's it going? Happy to have you with us. Yeah, man. Good to good to be here. Uh I'm excited to talk some football. We finally got baseball back, so starting to get a little bit of normalcy here. Um, but yeah, excited <laughs> to, to dive into football here and talk some some strategies on on targets, and maybe you guys can sort me out a little bit uh, on some some best ball targets too as we dive into the new the new best ball platform. We can probably talk about that as well. Ooh, it's so Ooh. pretty. Let's let's definitely do that before before we get started and before I toss it off to uh, the dynamic duo that has been holding it down for the fantasy authority, Kevin, Kevin Cody, and talking about what they have going on. Uh, we got some things going on at the fantasy authority. You could see on the bottom of the screen there. Uh, and if you're listening to this, you can follow us on Twitter at FF underscore authority. The Instagram has been popping off. Cody's been doing a great job with that. The fantasy authority, same on Facebook and then the fantasy We've added some new uh, people to the team in the past uh, couple of weeks, if you guys haven't uh, been following along on Twitter, we got Tom, Robbie, CJ, Brian, 
and Jeremiah all joining the team. So you guys look out for their content. Cody's been putting out great content on the site, doing videos from his mail routes. They're always entertaining <laughs> for me to watch. He's been dropping knowledge with you guys and, and has been holding it down. I mean, look at what he's doing with the graphics. The website's been just looking amazing. Everything's been geared up for this 2020 season. It's all uh, new here at the TFA, and we're excited to get the season started. So, fellas, talk to us about the uh, Fantasy Authority pod and how's everything been going with life talking about the season this year. I know things are crazy. Yeah, you know, I recently I had to get a doctor's appointment because my back's been killing me from carrying this wet, this Ooh. podcast so much. But, uh, <laughs> man, where's the drum sound? Sound off. Sound yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, child. Please, hey, it's, it's been going good. It's been going good. We all, we're building, we're building stuff. We're 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 building audiences, and we're building championships, and that, that's what we do around here. And uh, you know, just drop nothing but straight fire and straight heat. You know, call people out, make fun of dynasty the community. That's what that's what I do here. That's that's my gimmick, that's my stick. <laughs> Always <laughs> got to hold people accountable. A, uh... <laughs> Went from a redraft website, and everyone that we just brought in is all dynasty oriented. I think that happened after everyone heard Kev just shitting on the entire dynasty community and basically just saying we're all a bunch of assholes and we suck and we're <laughs> that stupid. That's right. So we, we had literally the next podcast we had John Bosch on, and like I was like, "Can you tell me why dynasty analysts are fucking morons?" Like you know, like. <laughs> Why don't you guys want to win? All I care about is you guys don't want to win. Writers, and of course, he now has to hate Dynasty. Of course. Right. It's just typical Kev. (laughs) Typical Kev. He just falls suit. It's it's hilarious. And also, Uh, we got the DFS D-Gen Nation pod coming back in your face here in a couple of weeks. I'm excited about that, too. I'm excited to be back full time with that. Hell Hell yeah. yeah. I got some big plans, big plans for Let's the DFS stuff coming up. All I want to hear is one hour, two hours long of Maddie just going straight at Kev's throat. It's going to be beautiful. Oh, it's going to happen. No, no, oh, I know, not, I know. And then Ryan up. piggybacks off of him and tries to come at me. But, hey, I got two of them. Which one you want? Which one you want? Teledoc <laughs> or Mercy Room? You tell me, okay? This dude trying to fight online. <laughs> one, two, three, testing. <laughs> he worse than the Twitter Warriors that we beat in after Kev. Just held your keyboard up, bro. (laughs) No cap. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, man. Off to a great start here with this super show. What else would we expect? What else would we expect? Uh, Fellas, let's let's talk about the season. Just, I mean, uh, overall in general, before we kind of get into the players itself, we've we've had a lot of things happen since we've had you guys on uh, since the draft. So a couple months have unfolded. We're, you know, getting the season around – this pandemic that's going on and everybody's worried about what's going to happen with the season and should we be doing NFL Island like the MMA is doing an island or what is it, you know, bubble this, bubble that, is the season going to play? Who should I be drafting? Should I, you know, should we value Zeke highly because he's already had the virus, things of that nature. It's been crazy, but you know, I digress. We have um, Raheem Moser. He was supposed to get traded. And then he's not getting traded. He resigned, but they're still going to run a committee out there. A whole bunch of teams are running committees now. And we got to talk about him and what to do with that backfield. A couple of guys, they're starting to release the COVID-19 list. And we're seeing some names pop up there. Rookies are popping up on there. Special teams guys, no big names as of yet. 
but there's still the potential that that could happen as teams are starting to report into camps. Uh, Dalvin Cook is expected to report. He has a lot on the line that he could be missing as far as free agency next year if he doesn't show up. There's been talks about the holdout there, but it looks like he's going to show up there. Um, Antonio Brown retiring, not retiring, then retiring again. Just so much crazy happening on. So if you guys, you know, I'll just open up the floor to talk about just storylines that are going on in the NFL now. What are you guys paying attention to as we get into August and when people are going to be starting to draft? And what are you looking forward to on the 2020 season? I'll just jump Don't in and say I, once. <laughs> I'll jump in and say uh, I think me and so me and Derek kind of have a, a running inside uh, joke that football shape is not the same shape as being in good you know good exercise shape. Uh, these these guys go out and take a beating in, in training camp and. Uh, their bodies get accustomed taking hits over and over again. And I think that's something that's going to play a role with no preseason uh, happening. And um, you see all these running backs that hold out, but yet they come back and play week one. I can think of Le'Veon Bell uh, a couple years ago, Zeke last year. Um, yeah, so you get you get these stud running backs who they come in week one and they don't get a full workload because their body's not in football shape. Uh, so I think that's definitely going to play a role um, – especially in the early part of the season until these guys start to get really acclimated to uh, the atmosphere and, and being in, in good football shape um, and being able to handle a full workload that they're used to. Uh, so I think that it's going to, at least for me, how I'm going to approach it is, is I think I'm going to side more with the pass catchers, especially at the running back position uh, more so than, than usual, because I don't think these guys who rely on, on heavy volume for carrying the football are, are going to really, you know, especially early in the year, I don't think they're going to, uh, get that high volume that that we're accustomed to. Hmm. That's it. that's interesting, Maddie. I, and I know and Ben and Derek and Kevin and, and Cody, feel free to chime in too. Uh, but I just know uh, us being here, we were doing the Scott Fish Bowl. Um, shout out to Scott Fish and all that he's been doing. That was helping keep a lot of us sane um, during this crazy time, just to have something to to talk about, to have the fantasy community all come together and, and and be a part of. And a lot of the things that I was seeing during that draft, which is a good testament on how um, things are being viewed in this community, is that zero RB has been a very popular approach um, this offseason. A lot of value is being put or a lot of investments being put on the path catching weapons this year and taking wide receivers early and, and waiting on running backs and just letting that kind of fall to the wayside that's not been the approach that i'm usually accustomed to i i like um going i don't want to say a zero wide receiver approach but i like investing in running back capital early um and then figuring out the pass catchers later but um i i know it's been a conversation in the community about which way is the best way to go in this year that's going to be different than any others that we've experienced are you guys finding yourselves leaning one way or another in that regard as Maddie's touching on the wide receivers um, investing in a pass game more so in this season. Well, let me just, let me just touch on real quick. I, I think the the high end running backs are still great targets. You just want to cater more so to the ones that catch passes. Like in Austin Eckler is somebody that comes to mind over, over somebody like a, you know, a, a Josh Jacobs, maybe um, mm-hmm. just, just like a, a just that, discrepancy between the pass catching running backs and the the high rush attempt running backs, especially early in the year. Um, but not necessarily because, I mean, you can still get a lot of a lot of points out of those pass catching running backs, especially early in the draft. 
Um, and I think that those guys are going to be the ones that, you know, make or break your roster. Yeah, and obviously bell cow running backs, as long as they stay healthy, that's one of the questions, right? Are the league winners for you? So that's never going to change. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it you know, it just depends on where your draft slot is, of course, and all that good stuff. But if I have a chance to get some stud running backs, I'm definitely taking them, especially with the depth, right, of the wide receiver position that we have this year. I think there's two different ways you can look at it. Um, I think that either – you can look at it as more of a reason to handcuff players and stuff like that as far as running back position. Like if one guy goes out with COVID or something like that, like, and before we, I can't remember if we had the mics on yet or not, but I think that there's a small edge as far as if you do play dynasty and you know what these third and fourth running backs, like you have, you're pretty familiar with them as far as looking down the depth charts. I think that there's either one or two ways to kind of splice this. It's like, do the running backs, like especially the handcuffs, because wide receivers, you're not going to necessarily see like one guy goes out and another guy's going to step into that role. They're probably just going to allocate targets a little bit different, whereas the running back position, one guy goes out, another guy's going to step in. Now he's probably, he might not see like this full bell cow workload, but he's going to see, if not that, he's going to see, what, 60% of that possibly? And so whether you're looking at, okay, like uh, that gives you more of a reason, like if you like a certain offense, handcuffing your guy or taking a lot of shots as as far as like running back twos on depth charts and just spreading it out saying, okay, I've got like five or six running backs, two or three starters, three backups. And if one guy goes out, I might have a bunch of different options to play as far as running back goes, just trying to splice out like you're rolling dices right now, as far as what this season could look like. And does this offer you like, and, and as bad as all this is, but, like, how how do you see this unfolding as to, like, could you gain an edge as far as how your team construction goes in that regard? Wouldn't well, probably the strike year, what was 2011, the best barometer to look yeah. at for, for this to, to kind of see how things played out during that season because mm-hmm. how everything shortened was. They didn't really – they didn't get an off season, They didn't get any mm-hmm. camp work or anything like that. It basically jumped right into the season. I believe that year – um, I think it was like four or five teams that scored that averaged 30 points per game, which is, yeah, which most of the year, I think like last year, only the Ravens averaged 30 points per game. So I think scoring is probably going to be way up, especially early in the year with defenses not really being um, ready to go. So I think that that's kind of the way I look. I don't know if I would really change anything that I do in terms of drafting and the way that I draft, um, because I think all this is going to really favor offenses more than anything. But I do think, and kind of going back to Ryan's original point a little bit, that the big topic, and I think we should probably touch on it at least a little bit, and I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts, is the thought of, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, that rookies are going to start extremely slow. And I do think that that's valid, but obviously probably the majority of players are going to start at least a little bit slow. And I think there's definitely exceptions to the rule for rookies, especially the running back situation with Jonathan Taylor and guys like this. Like, I'm still not worried about guys like that, especially because I'm drafting guys to have that high upside in the second half of the year anyway. So I think that some of that analysis has gone a little bit too far. I'm still not as into like the carry on Johnson's of the world as, as much as some others are, but I'd be curious to get your guys' opinions. Well, see, I, I don't I agree I, for me. I don't, I just don't, I don't think it at all affects rookie, like the running backs. Like, I don't think this, this holding out. You know, that's not what Twitter and ADP tells you, Kev. That, that's <laughs> ridiculous. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying, man, like everybody's talking about it. It's like the year of the zero RB and like, 
Mac is going to keep his job and carry on is going to keep his job and all the draft capital and basically everything that happened in the NFL draft, all that was for nothing because COVID like, right. yeah, like come on, them. man. Like, get, I, like, the dynasty hysteria completely shifted to the other side I because think, of I think we've been in quarantine probably- for too damn long, and some of us are drunk on our takes a little bit. So, like, whether the pendulum's like gone way too far to one way, like, I just feel like it's it's all or nothing with a lot of takes that you see right now, and a lot of the way that people are are diagnosing some of this. Man, it's like. I mean, really, like, did the Colts take Jonathan Taylor to just play Marlon Mack? Like, is it really that damn hard for them to sit here and ride Jonathan Taylor or any of these rookie running backs when we see dudes get traded in the middle of the season and walk into 20 carries the same week? Like, come on, yeah. man. Like, okay, there, there's so some common you, sense here. Are you are you taking Clyde Edwards Hilaire at his current ADP of 210? Kev, you know that's the one outlier spot of ADP. I'm, just asking that, that you. I'm telling man. you, that's the He's one outlier. You pick the one guy to try to trip me up on. Nah, man, come on. No, I'm, like, I'm asking because I want to know: Are you taking him at two ten? I'm not asking you. I'm not going to take him at two ten. No, I'm not taking. I'm not taking Clyde at two ten. The Clyde. Let's be honest, Kev. Kev wants someone to say yes just so he can go off. <laughs> So if someone would just say, Kev, you know what? I'm going to take him. Please, No, I just want to know. Would you take uh, Akers going outside the top 24, Jonathan Taylor going at the back end as an RB2, any other picture of of what I'm talking about besides CEH? I want all of the Cam Akers, uh, Jonathan Taylor. All right, we can stay here. We can stay here. Right here. Right here, baby. Yeah, I like that we're on the same page. Uh, and DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift, though, is the one that everybody's sleeping on the most. And mm-hmm. I think he might actually, when you start to really look at it, I think he actually has the clearest path touches. I don't know why people love on Johnson as much as they do. He has never been given the, the workhorse role in that backfield. They brought in LeGarrette Blunt to take over. It's, a, it's a for him not to do it. And now all of a sudden people think when they, when they spend high draft capital on DeAndre Swift that all of a sudden now he's going to be the lead back. Like, you can get the fuck out of here with that. Like, well, like, I think it's the fear of the team that they, there hasn't been a solid guy beer, baby. That's in what Detroit that for a while. Yeah, but that offense—I mean, that that offense is going to be—I mean, as, as long as Matt Stafford stays healthy, like right. that, that, we're talking about a top five, ten offense. Right. Like, why would you not want that? Like, I don't know. But, but for most people, it seems like that DeAndre Swift is kind of just there. Like, that's how he's been through the mm-hmm. whole process, even before he was drafted. It was kind of like whatever. Like, it's DeAndre Swift, you know. So, what's his redraft ADP? We- like where can you get split? Uh, I think he's around fifth or sixth. Give me a second, I'll pull it up. Fifth or sixth. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, so that's up. that's still decent so, draft. I also to... like Zach Moss, so you can get super late. That's another guy I like because he's obviously stepping into the Frank Gore role. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because there's still rookie running backs that I'm still super interested in. Fantasy just... football calculator has Swift at five eleven RB twenty eight. Okay. Right behind Cam Akers. Here, give me one second. I want to pull up football guys. I mean, I think it's a point to talk about, though, because I feel like everybody's talking about fade the rookies, fade the rookies, fade the rookies. Exactly. It's like, why? Like, especially rookie running backs. Because why? it's a thing like, to talk about right now, Kev. It's I mean, not like everybody. they're going in the first round or second round like we like we usually see every year, like the last couple of years. Like, and, it's ridiculous. And I think there's something to be said in certain situations for certain quarterbacks are going to want to be able to trust their guys. You know, will Brady be able to trust Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, blah, blah, blah. But in certain – like, I just wanted to use Jonathan Taylor as the example because – I just think they're going to put that dude behind one of the best offensive lines in football and let him run. And yes, obviously there's going to be some form of timeshare for at least half the year, but 
what do we think is going to happen towards the end of the year? Because obviously, you know, we want to make the playoffs, but then we want our high upside to be in the playoffs so that we have a chance to win championships. And that's what I'm thinking about right. when I'm drafting. So and I think Taylor brings that. But it's but they're, you're you're baking out the 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 downside whenever you're taking him where if you're getting him in the fifth or sixth round, I mean, look at the other running backs that are going great. Right. Yeah. Swift is going, Swift is going at the end of the fifth and uh football guys right now, RB 28 right behind Ingram, like Kareem hunt and Devlin Singletary are being drafted over this dude. I think that needs to be mentioned here. Like that's absolute insanity to me. Like you're taking some dudes back up and you're taking another guy that's in an offense where he will never be is not going to be even if Zach Moss like dies like he's not going to be the goal line role like it's just not going to happen so like why is anybody drafting two backups and never going to be he's like I, I I understand the whole upside factor of Kareem Hunt which people don't love Chubb because like if Kareem if Chubb goes out Kareem Hunt would be a star but people don't cross apply that to Chubb yeah yeah, yeah. Right. but right right um. But it, it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like, why is Swift going behind those two guys when the Lions just took him in the second round? But I think the bigger point, and again, back to Ryan, um, zero RB. A lot of that, you know, we all play DFS and we try to win GPPs. A lot of that is being applied when you're trying to win these big picture fields. So I have no problem with trying to be contrarian when you're trying to beat out tons of people. But when the majority of our analysis here is about trying to beat 12 people, 10 people, why would you fade some of these bankable stud running backs when, and now you have to make some of these tough decisions like we're talking about in the fifth round, when I just want to take Tyler Lockett, I want to take Tyler Boyd, I want to take Jarvis Landry, I want to take stud wide receivers there that I can bank on, and I already have some of my running backs. So that's obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, the the best approach, you know, a lot of people are doing that. So, yes, we want right. to get contrarian from time to time if we're trying to beat out thousands of people, but that's a whole different type of conversation. Well, and I think the other thing that needs to be said here, too, is that, like, with some of the zero RB approach, the edge that you're gaining from wide receivers, it's like – but that's also in, in, inclined that, like, there's not a, a, a flattened curve with all of that, like, that, like – MT was basically the only wide receiver they gave you that week week to week advantage. Like past that, how many guys could you find with a twenty percent target share, a twenty two percent target share in their offense? As opposed to like there are not like this handful of guys with thirty percent target shares anymore that are like if you have two to three of these guys, you're just mowing people down because you're not going to be able to draft like unless you're in some kind of puff league what MT and Devontae Adams, like that's really the only two dudes that are really going to give you that kind of edge right now. I mean, unless y'all are thinking about other players well, some besides of that. that, like that's the other thing about it. It's like, I could name you off like probably like 15 different wide receivers that are probably going to be really close to each other in the vicinity of target share. Unless you're just talking about like what touchdown variants, which is so good luck, good luck predicting that. So many wide receivers. And it depends on how many you can start. If, if you're playing full PPR and you can start up to four wide receivers, maybe five, six, seven, if you're in a dynasty league, it makes a lot more sense there. But just obviously know your your format and your scoring settings. 
I, I, th I think the best strategy for me would be zero RB. No, but I think uh, just a robust wide a robust wide receiver taking one running back in the first mm -hmm. three rounds, mm -hmm. grabbing one because there is going to be a ton of landmines in this running back position group, right? Because they, they are being so far pushed up. We are mm -hmm. talking about running backs oh, that yeah. should be going like sixth, seventh round that are going in the third and fourth round. Yep. And so for me, Some like. I, I love taking like one to of those early running backs in the first two rounds and then just hammering wide receiver through yep. probably the fifth or sixth round. And then, okay, then I'll take another one my second. And then I'll you know hammer some more a little bit later, right? Because like to me, I think there's way too much risk once you get past really a certain point. Really, if you could make an argument, right, once you get past probably Dalvin Cook, like, like there is, a, I mean, even I love Joe Mixon and Miles Sanders, all those guys, but they all carry red flags of, of things that, that could go wrong and how things could go sideways. Um, Josh Jacobs, the same way. Derrick Henry certainly could go sideways. Like all those guys past the, those like top five to me carry pr pretty big risk or at, at least a decent amount of risk. And I would rather mitigate that by taking one there and then waiting a little bit later. Now, of course, you have your top four pick. You're 100% taking those guys no matter what. Uh, top five, really, probably. But once you get past those guys, if you wanted to take Michael Thomas and come back around in the second round, and let's say you get a, you know, if Miles Sanders is on the board or Joe Mixon was on the board, something like that in the second, depending on how things fell, like I, I, I would much rather do that and then continue on taking wide receivers than I would rather go. Uh, everyone's like, oh, you got to go running back first two or three rounds. I'm like, no, like I like that. Like to me, like that that has more risk to me. Um, it's only balls to you. Depends on because who falls to you. It, it's, 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 it, yeah, well, that, well, yeah, obviously it always is going to depend on how a draft plays out and everything else. Every league is different. I understand that. But if it plays out the way we're seeing ADP play out with all these running backs being overdrafted, essentially, in a lot of ways, then I don't want any part of that. And that's probably where I'd be different. I would never advocate for zero RB. I don't think you can do it. Um, yeah. Yeah, you could. I, I I shouldn't say that. You you could do it, but it's it's definitely not the most optimal approach. I love it, Kev, because that's basically what I was alluding to. I think once you get past Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler, you know, there's you can look at legitimate question marks at every running back past that. So get one stud and then you know lock in um, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, or some of these stud wide. Just, I mean, it's crazy. Look at like just ADP, yeah. like like Allen Robinson's going like third round, and then you have. Mm -hmm. Uh, like Keenan Allen going the fifth, sixth round, like like, oh, yeah. like it's crazy. Like the, how far are these running these wide receivers being pushed so far back? One hundred percent. We can get in that range. And and off the same token with these with these running backs that you're investing, like uh, how how important do we feel like handcuffing is this year? Because as I'm going through drafts and best balls and, and, and doing other drafts that are early on and, and startup dynasty drafts, I, I just feel like for this season, you know, if you're drafting Zeke, like how are you not taking guys like Tony Pollard? If you're drafting Kenyon Drake, how are you not taking guys like Ch like uh, Chase Edmonds? Um, the guys who have proven production when they've gotten a starting role. You know, I get it. Like, if you take a Joe Mixon and the only guy left is a Gio Bernard, maybe, you know, you could wait on him late. But some of these other guys could have value, like, in the 10th round earlier. Um, so how are you guys feeling about handcuffing this year as opposed to uh, normal normal years that we'd be drafting in? Well, I just I want to say, because you touched on it, Gio Bernard goes super late. And if anything right. happens to Joe Mixon, if he gets COVID, if he gets hurt, like I'm trying to get as much Geo because he's free. And if right. Joe Mixon goes down, that's a dual threat running back in a good offense now that Burrow's coming in, we think. Um, so I'll, I'll take all of that. 
I think that uh, at least where I lean on it, looking at where players are being drafted and stuff, you pretty much have like a handcuff round. Like, let me scroll down here. Um, like round 10 is basically the handcuff round right now. Like mm-hmm. that, that is literally like, okay, in round 10, I'm going to read you from uh, it's 10-ish, 11. Philip Lindsay, Latavius Murray, Pollard, Moss, Henderson, Scott, Duke Johnson, Chase Evans. You get what I'm saying here. That's mm-hmm. literally the picks from like 10-3 to 11-9. And to be honest, like I'm all with what, what Ben's talking about. I, I think you pick the handcuffs that are the sneaky ones that you go later with. Yeah. That whereas like Josh Kelly is going in the 14th round, Darrington Evans is going in the 13th round, uh, Damian Harris, 13th round, Geo is going in the 16th round right now. Like mm-hmm. that I, is where I think the edge is as far as like not going for the cuff guys, like at that point in the draft, unless like, okay, you do take a Zeke and you're like, all right, I want to go this route because at the 11th round, if you've got your other positions locked up and stuff like that, fine. Like, if you want to pay for that, like, I'm not against that at all. But I, I do lean on taking the cheaper guys that are still have this easy path to mega touches that are going way later than that that entire tier. No, that's I, that's fair, Derek. And, I, and before you go, Maddie, I was just more so alluding to the guys who would be going you know, in the top 20 picks of running backs, you know, like Zeke is going to be anywhere from a third pick investment to, uh, you know, fifth or sixth pick investment, like Kenyon Drake's been going in the late first rounds in some drafts. So, so those guys who, when you've looked at the first round or even coming back around in the second and you're like, I've invested so much draft capital in these guys for a season that is an unknown quote unquote, um, how early do I need to think about taking their handcuff who, if they get the job, I know that they have the potential to ball out. I think some of that's looking at the depth charts too, because I mean, like Kenyon Drake, are we sure that like, you know, Benjamin couldn't carve out the role just as easy as Chase Edmonds. I understand we want a whole lot of money on one week of Chase Edmonds, but like dude started one game and then like crap the bed the next week versus the saints. Like, I don't think that he's the set it, forget it handcuff to Drake. So I, I think it's some of that's like analyzing depth charts. Like, does it make a ton of sense to pay that price? Like, are you how sure are you that he's the dude? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think draft capital is everything because, like, if you're if you're taking a guy in the tenth round, you're looking for him to be a contributor to your team in addition to the guy that you drafted in the first round. And a guy that you drafted in the first round, you can't really afford to have that guy get hurt because you're now you're so far behind the eight ball. If you lose. Uh, a Zeke and somebody else that has Kamara or Saquon or, you know, all these other top running backs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pollard's going to step in and do well, but I mean, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to match those guys. Uh, And so you're going to already be behind the eight ball by losing your first round draft pick to an injury or sickness or whatever. So I think that those guys that are going in round 10, those are better zero RB candidates. If you were to go that approach, because now you're, you're, lucking into those guys becoming the guy and you also now have a top wide receiver that you drafted in the first round to go along with them and you didn't lose your first round pick to go with those guys so it's about combining your your draft capital for upside you've now got a first round pick and a 10th round pick that play together as opposed to okay i've now combined my first round pick and my 10th round pick into one into one player essentially 
I like that. Sorry. I typically think that way too. Um, I will say too, because we're talking about robust RB where, you know, you take the stud and then you, you load up at other positions. I am fine with guys like Philip Lindsay and Zach Moss, because I think they will have some standalone value. And then they also have that upside if something happens to Gordon or, or Singletary as well. So, um, you know, those types of guys I'm okay with because they give you a little bit of both as well. And they're somewhat affordable. We haven't seen him unleashed yet, but, uh, I'm so here for Duke Johnson season. Oh, I, I just it's never going to happen, dude. <laughs> I know, Even if I David know, Johnson I... goes out, Bob is going to be like, all, all right, right we're just going to re-sign Lamar Miller. Forget it. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, man, it's just never going to happen, dude. Like, last year was the perfect time for that. It was like, all you got to do is beat out Carlos Hyde. And Bill O'Brien's like, nah. Maybe man, he'll trade man. Will Fuller for Frank Gore. <laughs> I, I will say as somebody who's never liked carlos hyde the dude actually played pretty well for his role last he year. did his first 1000 yard season well so, and they gave him a crap ton of carries so like everybody that hates david johnson come at me i don't get it i don't get that at all i'm with you on david johnson but i will say oh been, we're gonna talk about him yeah. oh yeah baby but I, I have been warming up to it. If David Johnson gets hurt, uh, listen, Cody, it's there's always a chance. There's always a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to lie to you like that, Cody. I'm not going to lie to you like that. A lot of people <laughs> a lot of people could have been made fun of for still being on the Devontae Parker bandwagon last year. So, listen, I'll never. They can I'll still never. be made fun of. <laughs> let's, hey, let's be honest. Easy. Don't they already they the already like quit that. that dynasty team, and the person who picked up that orphan is the person who won got the wins on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! We're at the 2020 Fantasy Football Super Show with the Fantasy Authority. Thanks for everybody who's watching out there. Uh, shout out to Jay Rich and Nate who are coming into the comments. Um, let yeah, let's go ahead and and start this off. Thanks to everybody who's watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, hopefully, you guys are enjoying the conversation as we get ready to talk about uh, our our picks, so to speak, and and where we're targeting players and who we love and what particular rounds. And a lot of David Johnson chatter was just going off. So Derek, I'll let you lead off um, with talking about players who are. Um, early round players, so rounds one to three, who we like and who we're trying to target in every draft. And I saw, Derek, that you have been beating the drum for David Johnson, not just tonight, but you have been for weeks and weeks and weeks now um, to get back. And Kev will probably enjoy this because he's gotten into numerous Twitter fights during uh, the past couple of months on people who are sleeping on David Johnson. So uh, let's spread, some, spread some goodness and, and, and talk me into wanting to draft David Johnson this year. Yeah, so my, my trifecta of the early round guys that I really want to walk away if I can, like in every single draft, is Kenyon Drake, DJ Moore, and David Johnson. And Kenyon Drake, I mean, we've all talked about it. Uh, he's walking, I mean, he's in a pristine situation. He's literally has top five, hell, if not, if, if everything were to break perfectly for him, he could be a top three running back this year, um, considering offensive line, offensive situation, everything that you really want for him. He'll have pass game work. DJ Moore, I love him. Like, I feel like he is, he could easily catch a hundred balls this year. Like the Panthers are going to throw the ball. They're going to run fast. I think DJ Moore goes back into the slot where we saw him succeed. He played more outside last year 
but I think he goes back and sees some more slot time this year. And I think that fits perfectly with what they want to do with Teddy Bridgewater and run that offense. They're going to be chucking the ball a ton. And David Johnson, man, like I, I don't understand like outside of injury, why people want to fade this dude. Like you need to get off of this whole, like, okay, he, he looked like he was slow and broken down like versus Tampa. Come get out of here with that. Like that dude was like going through so many different injuries and literally keep trying to play and Arizona, like the Cardinals are just burying this guy when he's like slugging through tons of injuries. Like he had a back injury before he had an ankle injury in week five. He was a top five, top six running back. He was running for 4.1 yards per carry. His yards per target over that mark was top six in the league off the top of my head amongst running backs throughout the entire year. If you look at that stretch where he was healthy and now he steps into the Texans where we're just talking about it. They fed Carlos Hyde to a thousand yards, and David Johnson is immensely better than Carlos Hyde could ever hope to be. And if he gets more pass game usage, like I don't think that the Texans are going to magically throw a ton more to their running backs. I think David Johnson is really just going to Duke Johnson's role is going to crater. I think David Johnson is going to be their do it all guy this year. You look at the first year under Tim Kelly, they ran more inside of the red zone. Like DeAndre Hopkins last year, nobody talks about this. He was top five in red zone targets in 2018. He dropped the 30th in 2019. That's because they ran more. We saw Deshaun Watson had a career high in rushing touchdowns. Carlos Hyde had more rushing touchdowns than previous years of Lamar Miller getting three, five. And we think that David Johnson can't stack double-digit touchdowns in this offense behind. And I know Matty is a uh, adjusted line yard seller, just like myself. Like, they were 21st in adjusted line yards last year. As far as power ranking, stuff run ranking, second-level yards, open field yards, this line was top 12 in every single one of those metrics. And you're talking about a line that is anchored by Tunsil, who is still hashtag good, and a bunch of freaking rookies who are going to do nothing. They're returning all five starters at that line. So really outside of injury, I would love for somebody to come up with some kind of idea or reason why they should not love David Johnson. Because past that, I really can't make a case for it. Did you see that one gif of last year? Like whenever he was says all of Twitter. Yep. (laughs) Did you see it? I, I really feel like... It, that really wasn't that bad. I, I watch that and I see the thousands of likes that that Dude, has. And I'm looked, like, he looked, it's really, he's just, he's waiting patiently for the hole and it just never opened up. I never got, he that. Looks so I like stiff. it, bro. I'm with you on David Johnson and DJ Moore, two out of the three. Uh, can't buy into Kenyon Drake, you said, Ben? That's what I said. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ben, why don't you take it over and tell us who, who are the uh, trifecta for you in the top three rounds that you're looking right. to get? Um, yeah. So I'm going with uh, one in each round. So I got Derrick Henry in the first, George Kittle in the second, and then Kenny Galladay in the third. Um, obviously the stud running backs, we're not going to talk about top four or five guys. So, um, you know, Derrick Henry, six most uh, opportunities per game last year, complete stud. I love that he plays on a solid team and the offense revolves around him. So uh, pretty easy analysis there. Um, George Kittle in the early second. I really like that elite player, uh, you know, paired with Kyle Shanahan. Um, I just think it's incredible. I think that 
when we're talking about redraft and you want to just put somebody in that tight end slot, predictability plus the high upside, he was banged up last year. You look at a couple years ago, 1,377 receiving yards. I think if you can get the touchdowns on top of that, the ceiling is uh, through the roof. And uh, my theme here is is studs. So I just think Kenny G is absolutely a beast. Um, always been on the Stafford bandwagon. If he comes back healthy, which is the question mark, but if he does, Kenny G has so much upside. He led the league in deep targets last year with 36. Um, and we've seen him consistently win over the last two years in that area. He's in his prime, really like the Lions offense. And I like Marvin Jones as a value too, but I would rather have Kenny G at price because I just think he's the stud in that offense. I love the Kenny G call. I love Galladay. He he led the NFL with David Blau for part of the year and ten zone targets. Yeah, yeah. They were That's- they were top ten in, in points per game last year with Stafford. Like you you don't have to sell me on it. I'm all in on Kenny G. That's also something I've been trying to pay attention to as well. Like we saw Kenny G do it with Blau, like you said. We saw Devontae Adams do it a couple of years ago. Um, I don't even remember who the quarterback was, but he was a scrub. Um, and we saw Michael Thomas do it a little. Is that bit. Hunley? Yeah, it was Hunley. Yeah. It was Hunley. And we saw Michael Thomas do it with obviously Teddy B's, you know, pretty good. But um, if you can produce with a backup quarterback, that makes me feel better too. Um, obviously, that's not always the case. Juju was banged up last year, but we saw what happened with him. So, um, yeah, that's another good point. I don't know. I don't mind either of those other than the Derrick Henry one like that. And I and I kind of heard you say earlier that, you know, there's a ch- I just don't see how he fails. And I know he doesn't see a lot of targets. That, that's the, that, that's the biggest concern I have. And, and I hear you. I don't think that that offense is going to be nearly anywhere close to as efficient as it was last year. Like anywhere close. I, I think agree. They're going to be playing in much more negative game scripts this year. And when that happens, I think that that really hurts Derrick Henry's upside because he's not a pass catching back. I think they use. I think they could use Darrington Evans in that role um, much more than what I, I think a lot of people thought. That's what De- Deion Lewis was going to do. Obviously, things kind of played perfectly. I felt like it was the perfect storm last year for the Titans, right? And I feel like this year it's going to kind of flip on its head. And that's why I want no part of Derrick Henry at his at his ADP. If he was mm-hmm. going later, I wouldn't have any problem with it. But he's going in the first round, like top six, seven picks. Like, mm-hmm. no way would I ever even entertain the thought of taking him there somebody that has zero pass catching upside and that's why i just cannot mess with derrick henry at at, at that price where do you where do you have derrick henry at right now kev like I have where would like you put RB him at 13 or rb 14 wow really yeah. come on Damn. wow right, so- disrespecting that mountain man Woof. And I, I listen, Kev, I fully understand the value of targets and I realize he doesn't see that many. We also, and I get it's kind of wishing, but we have seen the flip side where he takes screens 80 yards to the house. Maybe he does get a little bit more volume this year if they do have to throw a little bit more with no Deion Lewis with a rookie in there. Um, that's not guaranteed. So I get what you're saying, but we also saw what he did two years ago when he wasn't the guy at the beginning of the year and he was behind Deion Lewis for a little bit and he's still balled out. The dude's in his prime. I think he's 26. Um, I think that you're kind of, yeah, we shouldn't bet on outliers, but when a guy like Derrick Henry, who has just proven to us already in college and in the NFL that he's just a freak beast that is going to get the volume and is good and is going to produce, I mean, I'll I'll take that all day. So um, I'm happy disagreeing with you on that one. Yeah, thirteenth is low. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, and that's. I mean, oh. if you said, if you said, I don't want to take him at six or seven or eight overall, but you know, I'd be happy like the back half of the first. That I get, but to put him at like RB thirteen, like who do you have above him? Like Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler and guys like that. Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon. 
Um, I, so I you're gonna put so so you're gonna put Kenyon Drake, who has never in his life. Oh God, don't hurt Kenyon Drake. Had more of like a six game. <laughs> don't hurt and, that man. He didn't had, do anything to you, to Ben. He didn't so, do anything to you, I'm Ben. Fine, but this is my problem. He's never done it for a full year, even going back to college. Derrick Henry's proven it. He's to never you been for, given the chance to do it for a full yeah, year. That's true. He played for Adam Gase. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, no, I was that's, to tell you, Adam Gase just crapped all in that dude's na- knapsack, man. Like that's true. And we've seen, yeah, we've seen other play, almost every other player away from Adam Gase. I'm fine with that. But you also have to look at uh, he never did it in college that much. All I'm saying is, compared to a guy like Derrick Henry who has okay, given so, that sample size, that's that's just I can't get behind that. I have him at 12. Okay, that's why I have him at 12. And so this is who I have ahead of him. I have obviously the top four: Barkley, McCaffrey, Elliott, Kamara, and then I have Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb. And Aaron Jones all ahead of him. You have Aaron so, Jones ahead of him? No, no. The the one thing the one thing that I have to completely disagree with is you're going to put Josh Jacobs, who's on a worse team, who also doesn't catch passes, who hasn't been as good of a player in the NFL or in college, ahead of Derrick Henry. That makes no sense. So here's so here, here's the thing on so here's here's two things. One, the Aaron Jones hate has gone way too fucking far. Way too far. Yes, I don't think he's gonna By who? LaFleur or, or the community? I am I the community. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Yeah, the, the community. That's what I'm talking about. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Fantasy Twitter so, has gone okay, way too okay. far on Aaron Jones, okay. right? I still he's still the most one of the most efficient running backs we've seen over the last couple of seasons. I I, I do I think he's gonna get nineteen touchdowns? No. But do I think that AJ Dillon is gonna come in and take his role? No. I still think he's gonna get plenty of opportunities in that offense. I still think he's one hundred percent the lead back in that offense. He's definitely the best running back they have in that offense. So I'm not concerned as nearly as concerned with people uh, with Aaron Jones as uh, what other people may what other people are. Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs, one, when Josh Jacobs was coming out of college, Josh Jacobs was actually, that's what most people were excited about Josh Jacobs was his ability to be a pass-catching running back. We have one year to go off of. They've said all offseason that they're going to get him much more involved in the passing game. We've seen that he can be a pass-catching running back. Just I get he didn't do it last year, but if I'm going to bet on a running back to do that, to get more opportunities in targets, it's him who's actually proven it in his career, even going back to college, that he can be a pass-catching running back, right? And so he's certainly going to get all the early down work. He's going to get all the goal line work. And if that offense does take a step forward with the addition of Henry Ruggs, with Brian Edwards, with with the things that they've done over this offseason, I definitely think that Josh Jacobs can, can get somewhere in that range of 60 to 70 targets this year. And so I don't think wow. that's crazy at all to say. No. And so well, I... I so that's all I'm saying. So that's why I have Josh Jacobs ahead of him. I, I, I man, go, you. You, you go ahead and take this, Ben. Uh, I, I'll, I'll chime in. I hear you. And, uh, and, and if I hear one more person say anything about Jalen fucking Rashard, because that's the, that's people's like counter oh, for it. It's like, okay. will they re-sign Jalen Rashard? I don't give a fuck. Like the guy, <laughs> like I don't care about Jalen Rashard whatsoever. What right? Like, like he's a guy, right? Who? What about Lynn Bowden? What? What about Lynn Bowden? No, I don't care. He is Josh Jacobs is going to get. And what did what did he play? Thirteen games last it. year. He played in thirteen games last year, right? Josh Jacobs before mm-hmm. he went down somewhere there. Yeah, thirteen or fourteen. And what did he have? Eleven, twelve hundred yards rushing last year in just those thirteen mm-hmm. games. Yeah, like yep. it's it is it is not crazy to expect that he that he can get a thirty to forty target bump this year in a full sixteen games. And like I said, in an approved offense, I, I think there's going to be more opportunities there. So people can hate like. Honestly, like Josh Jacobs can easily lead the league in rushing this year. Like that's not a crazy thing to say. That about, could happen, right? 
and, yep, and so more, more goal line opportunities. So all these things. That's why I like. I'm a little higher on Josh Jacobs. I think than other people are. I think you're splitting hairs here. For me, I think like we're arguing about the same player, but I feel like the the situation is better for Derrick Henry to yeah. do. I I just I don't think that the the targets are coming for Jacobs. Like I'm not going to argue with you. Is he a good pass catcher? Can he it, operate? In that facet, yes, I I will not disagree about that at all. Like I think that he is a better pass catcher than Derrick Henry. I just worry they're both script dependent backs at this stage. Like, and I worry that like the Raiders don't have a prayer on defense. The Titans do. Like they actually have a decent defensive unit. Like their rush defense is like top five, top eight in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Their pass defense, whenever they decide to not let Malcolm well, they, Butler, I mean, they lost the like, pieces over the offseason, right? They traded away Drill Casey. Um, yeah, that that's been. But I mean, they also added. Um, didn't they add it? They added a corner. Uh, I'd have to pull it up. They added one of their first round picks. With, uh, I think they brought in Jonathan Joseph. He's like no, it was Clavion Chase on, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. I, I, their defense will be all right. Anyways, Kev, you name the bet. Anything. Derrick Henry versus Josh Jacobs. I'll make it. That's just a simple $20 bet. So uh, easy $20 bet. Done. E-handshake is good. Uh, Points for Cody, game, take, Co- Cody, take the reins and, and come on in, and, and we can figure out a way to parlay um, a question in that tra- Travis has. It's more so dynasty-based, but based on uh, some Ravens players. Travis, we'll get, to, we'll get to you later on. Thank you for uh, coming in and, and asking some questions and uh, participating. But Cody, who who are some guys that you're looking at in the in the first three rounds to target? Yeah, my first three are going to be uh, Joe Mixon. I can't get away from him. Uh, I think this year sets up for him to just absolutely smash with Burrow, with Jonah Williams coming back. He's been uh, he's been a, a top end RB two. I think he was an RB one two years ago in one of the worst offensive situations. Julio, we don't have to go into it. I think he is also absolutely going to smash this year. I think he's one of the guys we were we kind of touched on it earlier in terms of there's not really anybody who's getting 170, 180 targets in that you know 28 percent target share. I think Julio could be one of them, and then Adam Thielen uh, is my last guy I'll be targeting just because of the the continuity that defense. As much as old man Zimmer is going to want to run the ball, I don't think they're going to be able to. They lost a lot of pieces on that defense. Uh, I know Kev is just enthralled with Justin Jefferson, but I think Thielen is going to be the clear one in this offense this year. So those are uh, those are my three guys that I'm. And I'm I really heard Kev say it too when, when you listed your running backs, Kev. One of the things I did like, I I like the bold the boldness of both of you on Mixon because yeah, there's a little bit of a projection there, but we know how good he was in college. We know how good he can be, and if he stays healthy with the bump, this offense should take. I have no problem with anybody being bold on Mixon, so I like that. I think that they're all kind of in the same. Like, I feel like they're they're all kind of different variations of script backs. Like Jacobs, Mixon, Henry, they're all kind of the same dude. It's just really what is the offensive environment around them um, mm-hmm. is kind of what I look at with them. Because I, I sadly, I think Mixon is a freaking stud in the pass game. Do I think that he gets the targets? Right. No, I don't right. think that he gets the targets either. Um, right. But I do think that the offense is better this year. Like they're going to pass the hell out of the ball um, and be in the red zone more. Like. The outlier, like, touchdown, just run bad that they had last year was insane, man. Like, Andy Dalton had, like, a 3% touchdown rate. Like, that was behind dudes like Mitchell Trubisky. It was crazy how the Bengals just could not get into the end zone last year. Hmm. Those three running backs, though, Jacobs, Henry, uh, Mixon, 
uh, to me, I, I don't know if you guys agree or not, but to me, like if all three of them hit their ceiling in the receiving game, it's it's Mixon, obviously, by a long shot. He has so much upside there. So I think that's what's really exciting if Burrow comes in and does what we think he's going to do. Kev, where are you at with your picks? Well, I already said one of them, Miles Sanders. It's Austin Eckler and Allen Robinson for me in the first three rounds. Um, if I if I could come away with that in a draft, I'd be thrilled. Um, like Miles Sanders, I I... I it's so lazy. The, the 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 hate for Miles Sanders is fucking ridiculous, in my opinion, because it's really, it's just, well, you know, Doug Peterson's there as the head coach. And we, you know, we've never seen him be able to do it, right? Like, it's always been a committee. And I'm like, yeah, but they've had, what, the corpse of fucking Ryan, uh, Ryan Matthews. They've had fucking, like, Garrett fucking Blunt, Jay Ajayi, who doesn't have any fucking knees. Like, they've never had any fucking running backs there. And so, and then you, you head into last year, and okay, well, they had Jordan Howard. Well, yeah, he was a fucking rookie he takes over and he fucking balls out well now it's well you know boston scott's there and i'm like just get the fuck out of here like listen i like like boston scott is a fine late round fucking ad right but he's not gonna fucking stop fucking miles sanders right for me miles sanders is a lock top six i think he has i think he has 100 target upside i think he does i think he has that 100 target upside in his range of outcomes and so for me like miles sanders is a stone cold lock all right. Go off, King. Let's go. Yeah, Dude. I mean, it's it. Just, I it's love just, it. I love it. It's fucking ridiculous. Just, I'm so tired of like narrative street fucking Twitter, and and, and that, that that's all that's all their takes are. You know, I'm with I, you. I'm 100 with you. Um, just because he hasn't had good running backs in the past doesn't mean he won't uh, ride Sanders now. Um, I just wanted to look it up because you intrigued me. He had 63 targets as a rookie. So um, to make a 37 target jump is that that crazy? No, I don't. I don't think so. Well, um, Scott, and I. I Scott's going to be involved, right? But um, Sanders is going to just go off. I mean, it's a perfect situation. Do you want to know the the list of running backs that uh, over the last 10 years that have finished their rookie season with 800 or more rushing yards and 500 or more receiving yards? In the last 10 years? 10 years. It's Saquon Barkley and it's Miles Sanders. And that's it. End Mm -hmm. of list, baby. Like, end. Wow. Done. Six to midnight, have, real quick. Six to midnight. <laughs> I'll have one like, in the Penn State water. I, I have dude, some. I'm I'm all in on on Miles Sanders. Like I just I'm yep. all in on the Eagles. Their 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 offensive situation. It's yep. wheels up this year. Yep. Like give I'm me all the wins. Right. Wins is gonna Wins is gonna blow the freaking cover off the ball this year. Give me yep. Miles Sanders. Give me all this. Give me all the damn Jalen Rager at like Jaylen, yes. Yes. Give it to me. Yes, Once it's pretty cheap. Jalen Rager is cheap as hell. Djax is cheap as hell. Alshon is cheap for the second half. Literally, yeah. It people get so sewn into their damn ADPs, man. Like people, like last year, they were making fun of me for taking Dalvin Cook, who was like what, like in the early second round. They're like, "Why are you taking Dalvin Cook at the one hundred and five at the top, like, like in the middle of the first round?" I'm like, all right, y'all keep laughing, man. Same thing for Miles Sanders this year. That dude is going to ball the hell out this year. I love it. I love the Eagles, and I love Mar- that Marquise Goodwin is going to win people GPPs too. Let's go. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> oh, before yeah. – oh, go ahead, Kev. No, and I was just going to say, can we talk real quick about how the fuck Allen Robinson's going in the third round? Like, that seems <laughs> fucking ridiculous to me. Well, the dude that was, what, third in total targets last year? I mean, the dude All was the a wide baller. receivers are just pushed down because, like we talked about, everybody's mm-hmm. just scooted all the running backs to the top. Well, the Bears still, are gross, too. Really nobody wants wide, Bears. Not, the, yeah, nobody wants Bears. And, and I think there's like another like wide receiver I 13, I think. Last time I looked, he was going like wide receiver 13 or it's something. A, like it's, that. it's narrative, man. It's It all comes down to like teams and. 
Some teams are sexy and some are not. Some are like people are just like, I don't like that player. I don't like yeah, the team he, that he's on. Like it's ridiculous. He did it with Chase Daniel weird. and fucking sorry ass Mitch Trubisky last year. And Blake Bortles. And yeah, I think there's gonna oh, yeah. be and Blake Bortles, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I if, think it, if it's Foles, it's gonna be he he's he's gonna dude, be fine. And let Foles is gonna have to like literally have to break something again, like for it not to be him. Like get it's out of here with anybody yeah. that thinks it's gonna be Trubisky. Like what it's is just the word done, in man. Chicago because I'm not you know obviously I don't I don't I don't follow you know that closely what, what's going on in Chicago. Like what are they saying there competing right now? Yeah, competing that they're that they're competing. But what else are they going to say? You know exactly. what else are you going to say? You have a you have a quarterback who you passed up on that just is hosting the motherfucking Lombardi in Kansas City. Um, and you have Mitch here that you drafted over him. So like you, you have to do that. You went out and got falls and you're, you're paying him all this money yet. You're not naming him the starter, but yet you went on and got everybody who had any type of relation to Nick Foles and brought them onto your coaching staff. (laughs) Like you might as well put his fucking family on the coaching staff. And if it is as crazy as it is, it probably will be the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever had. And I was just looking at, um, both slot performance and deep target performance yesterday I actually re- wrote an article on it, and it's crazy. Allen Robinson was targeted out of the slot. Uh, he didn't line up this much in the slot, but he was targeted percentage-wise out of the slot, third most in the league out of qualifying players. And he saw the third most deep targets in the league. So we're talking about a guy that is the offense. There's not that much target competition other than Anthony Miller being a good late-round guy. Um, and he's going to get you bankable production in the middle of the field and he's going to ball out deep because not only does he get those targets, he's so good. He comes down with those catches, no matter who it is. So yeah, he's, he's just, he's such a great solid third round pick. It's ridiculous. So to everybody's point about how much the running backs are pushing down wide receivers, uh, where do y'all think Allen Robinson is going currently amongst wide receivers right now? Like he's in the middle three Oh five. How many wide receivers do you think are being drafted ahead of him right now? Like where I do you think he's at? I, like he's like, I think you so said 13, Matty. Nope. Wide receiver is it, 16. Is it 15? Nope. Well, You're if he's kidding. going at 305 now, he's, I mean, wide, he's got to be going like seven or eight probably now. Wide receiver seven. Yeah. So he, oh, he's moved up. So he's crazy. Moved up. Like, like yeah, there are wild. literally freaking 14 running backs, two quarterbacks, two possibly three tight, tight ends going ahead of the wide receiver seven. That is nuts, man! Like, good God, because I thought he was—I thought he was like somewhere in the twelve to to thirteen range because he was there previously. And I'm like, nah, man, he can't be at seven, but he is. But that's where seven is going at. And that's why you make sure you just get a stud running back if you can, and then start gobbling up these wide receivers. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah. Crazy. And we're going to talk about more in the fourth or eighth round. We'll get to the mid rounds, um, Maddie. I don't know if you want to uh, chime in on and anybody that hasn't been touched on in, in these rounds. Um, I like Kev's call on Eckler. I mean, I mentioned attacking the the receiving running back. So Eckler and Miles Sanders are definitely the you know first back into the first kind of mid early to mid second round guys that that I'm trying to attack uh, at the running back position. But um, if you're looking to go wide receiver at the end of the first round, I, I, really hard to get away from Devontae Adams. Um, I mean, only behind Michael Thomas and, and mm-hmm. Hopkins last year in terms of target share, and there's not really anybody else to, to catch passes from Rodgers other than well, Alan. He's my wide receiver one. Yeah, I but like he, he's legit got wide receiver one uh, ability here, especially this year. So uh, I think Devontae Adams is the is your wide receiver one. You take him at the end of the first round. 
um, and get a guy like Sanders or Eckler in the second round on the way back. So I, I think mm. that's a good way you can start the draft there. Um, but I also like in the second round, big, big George Kittle guy. Uh, I think he's tight end one and you're getting him behind Kelsey. Uh, and it's not nothing against the Chiefs offense or Kelsey. It's just Kittle is, is so damn productive. Uh, I mean, he leads, he led the league last year in yards per route run. And it was by like almost 0.3 yards per route. It was, it's an absurd gap. Um, and with San, uh, Debo a little bit banged up, you know, coming into mm-hmm. the year uh, mm-hmm. and this San Francisco, I mean, Kittle was even banged up last year and he's still absolutely demolished. So, right. uh, I, I think, yeah, I think back of the second round, George Kittle is, is a great way to, uh, to get, you know, a, t- a top of top of the position guy. And then in the third round, I don't know why Odell Beckham is getting disrespect. I guess it's because of the, you know, the down year he had last year, even though he still posted <laughs> yep. over a thousand yards with a, when on a, in a season where he should have just had surgery and sat out. Um, I mean, dude's averaging over 13 yards per target in terms of depth of target. Like he's getting the deep targets, uh, him and Landry basically split right down the middle in terms of target share, 25 and 26%. So like you're getting a, a wide receiver one there at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth round. It's just crazy to me that uh, OBJ has fallen that, that far considering how talented he is. And you look at his first three years in New York, double digit t- touchdowns each of the three years and around 1300 yards receiving and wasn't even playing full seasons. Cause he's, you know, he's always been injured, but I mean, dude, if he can stay healthy, Love it, Maddie. Oh. We're on the same page with Kittle. And I actually put Odell on my fourth round because actually if you look at like best ball ADP with FFPC, he's an early fourth rounder, which blows my mind because yeah, you kind of touched stupid. on it. Yeah, yeah. I just I threw out there Allen Robinson led the league in deep tar or was like top three in deep targets. Odell was second in the league in deep targets. And now look at what they're doing, right? It's going to be all two tight end sets, run the ball, play action. What do you think they're going to do when they hit him with the play action? They're going deep to Odell. I think it hits this year and it hits in a big way. And you can get a guy like that in the third or fourth. Again, because of what these running backs are doing, I will take that all day. I love Odell. I just, I do have a little bit of concerns about his, about how many targets, just raw targets he gets this year. Um, only because – and I think this this just comes down to what happened in Minnesota last year, and I'm not trying to fully transpose that over to Cleveland, but I think that some of this comes down to what you think about the Cleveland defense because Minnesota was top ten in passing rate when they were trailing last year. So I kind of lean on the side that I think the Cleveland defense is going to be good. So it kind of puts them in some more negative – I mean, uh, positive or neutral scripts, but – I mean, can Odell pay off on the price? Absolutely. I just – I I see some guys going around him like DJ Moore and Juju are going right next to him, and I just see that their target volume I think is going to be higher. Um, but I think that Odell – I mean, honestly, like what Maddie's talking about, can we say that like that's probably safely his floor? Like yeah. even if everything goes like terrible for him, that is he going to get less than a thousand yards at all? Like no, because we saw that. that last year. Like yeah. that last year was his floor. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. had what seventy five ish receptions on one hundred and thirty three mm-hmm. targets. Right. Yep. Like even if the volume goes down a little bit, as long as the efficiency goes up, which it should. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think Baker played pretty poorly last year, and there's oh, not, Baker not any way around it, but. Dude. I don't bad. think he can play any worse. And so, uh, like I, like you said, I think Odell can have the exact same season last year 
that he had last year, and he's not going to kill you at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth round. Well, you just saw Stefanski like coax like what a, a career best touchdown percentage out of Kirk Cousins and almost a career best completion percentage. Yeah, I think we see a better they offense. They run year. a lot of play action too, don't they? They're really close in play action rates. So, like, I think that's being overstated a little bit by the community. Like, they were really, really close. I'd have to pull it up real quick, but it wasn't that that got really thrown out into the Twitter sphere. And was it Baker way better though off the play action? Baker was yeah. Baker was really good off of play action. The problem with Baker is he was total. He was terrible when they when they weren't running play action. That was his biggest problem. It's like he was great during play action last year, but you take him out of play action, he was. Ooh, it was bad. Like, I don't I know just, what he was seeing ghosts. Are. I feel like the Browns have to know that. I just feel like so much play action is coming with their personnel yeah. this year. They traded for uh, the freaking Bron- uh, Broncos fullback. Like, we know what they're going to do. It's going to be a lot of running, a lot of play action. Yeah, so, like, last year, Big Minnesota play. was ninth in play action. Cleveland was 12th. Like, you're looking at 30 versus 28%. So, I, I think that that's, that's been a little bit overstated by by the community a little bit. Like as far as how much more they're going to run. And yeah. Real, real quick on the the George Kittle thing. Like I from like I mean I love George Kittle, but two twelve is way too rich for me. Like I would I would rather wait two full rounds to get Mark Andrews that you can get in the fourth round. I think wow. Mark Andrews has tied in one upside. Like he did it last year on very little with volume. That. And I think I think you're going to see a little bit more volume coming his way. I know he was super efficient on the volume that he had. But I, I, I definitely think crazy efficient though. He was crazy efficient. Like you're, you're literally getting a like Mark Andrews is. He reminds me of like a, a Jeremy Shockey or Todd Heap type of player who's going to go out there and ball like what the position is. But George Kittle is a wide receiver who is just happens to be at the tight end position. Like how we, we treat him like he is yeah, a tight yeah, end. Because this isn't, of the a, this isn't a knock against George Kittle. It's just I don't like taking tight ends in the second round. Like mm-hmm. I think that w- the players that are so on the board there, I would prefer overtaking a tight end. And I feel like, but the that production Mar- you're getting at the position is the production. Right, but but Mark not- Andrews can certainly come very close to what to what those guys are going to give you. He he could, and you're getting you're it two at rounds ex- later. Okay, but I, I'm saying he could, but with George Kittle, he's running out there with a wide receiver corpse that is not one of the best units in the league whatsoever, especially if Debo's Baltimore not going to be out there. <laughs> yeah, same for Baltimore. Baltimore got? Kevin, well, Baltimore's got a Lamar Jackson who's going to run it up the field, which Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have that position. He, he, he doesn't have that. He doesn't even know who's going to be out there in the backfield. And then Jimmy G, he's going to have to check down like he does. And Kittle's the primary opportunity of that. I mean, we saw that happen in the Super Bowl as well. Like, he he just loves Kittle. And Kittle is always going to have those targets. Yes, Mark Andrews was efficient last year. And so if you get that similar production last year, that's going to be good. So many times Mark Andrews was going out there through the first three quarters and he would have, you know, five or six targets and only, you know, 20 or 40 yards. And he would get this deep bomb later on that would help his production and, and boost his numbers up. I just think that y- he could be there, but you're consistently getting production out of Kittle that he just, the tight end moniker around him just does not does not equate to what you're getting out of that player. 
Yeah, so well, you're saying you don't like taking a tight end that early, but it's, I mean, it's he, not. I mean, it's not like he only had like 40 targets getting. last year. He had 98 targets. He only played 40 percent of snaps. Like when he was in there, he yeah. was getting targeted. Um, yep. He's not somebody that they're going to go in there and use as a, like inline block or anything like that. Like he's clearly a receiving tight end, but the dude's a baller. He's like his talent is real. Like he's he's not some uh, you know. He's not a one-hit wonder, is, is what I'm saying. And so, if I can get him two rounds later, and I think that you could, I think you can see him in that 100, 110 targets range again. He, he's certainly somebody that can that can put up the same type of numbers. He scored 10 touchdowns last year. He was number one in deep targets. Uh, he received 24% of the target share, which was third. Like, there's still lots of like here. He had 64 receptions, 852 yards. It wasn't like he only had 30 receptions and he just happened to, you know, all of his were deep targets or something like that. Like, so for me, he's clearly still the, the, the best option to have. Yes, Marquise Brown is there as a field stretcher. And they are still a run-first offense, which is the same as San Francisco. And so... I don't think there's a huge gap between George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and Mark Andrews. For me, it's the big three. But if I can get the one two rounds later, I'm going to go that route and go, you know, running back or wide receiver in those early rounds. And then, and, and then I'll take Mark. If I want to take a tight end early, I'm going to take Mark Andrews in the fourth. The so, argument so, for it. See, so yeah. So I mean, Mark Andrews is right up there. He was he was second behind George Kittle in yards per route run at, at two point eight. So it, yes, he is a very very good uh, tight end and second best in the league in that metric. Mm-hmm. Um, my argument for Kittle is not necessarily I, – I do agree. Like, Mark Andrews in the fourth round is is a great pick. Right. Uh, my argument for Kittle is when I look at the draft board at the back end of the second round and I see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I see Chris Godwin, I see Mike Evans, uh, Leonard Fournette, guys like that are still on the board. I want George Kittle over all those guys. All day. Now, when I get to the fourth round, I've got to make a tough decision between DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, uh, Odell Beckham, Mark Andrews. Like, there's just way more for me to choose from in that fourth round that I'm not really going to probably take Mark Andrews over. I would feel much rather having George Kittle and uh, DJ Moore over uh, Mike Evans and a uh, Mark Andrews co- combo. And if you're staring George Kittle in the face, but you decide to pass because you want to get Andrews later, and then Andrews gets taken, when we're talking about uh, redraft and predict- predictability, there's a lot of exciting tight ends later, but they're better best ball targets because they are going to be tough to predict. Are they going to hit all that stuff? When you can lock in Kittle and then start to pick apart some of these guys like Odell Beckham that we've talked about, like Matty D alluded to, I- I'm there as well because you also are risking not only passing on Kittle, but you don't know if you're going to get Andrews as well, depending on how the draft shakes out. So, yeah, and a lot of drafts I've seen, he doesn't. Two, you're going to get a back into the four, and I don't know that Andrews is going to make it. He doesn't make, make it to the fourth in a lot of them. Right. That, that, that's my whole thing about Andrew. Like, I think that, and I don't want to sound like I'm just playing peacekeeper here. Um, yeah, I mean, currently Mark Andrews is going at 306. For me, I think that my takeaway from all of this is. Take Kittle, take Andrews, take whoever you want to. I think that the big takeaway for me is don't take Kelsey in the first. Mm, I think that's absolutely. really what my major mm-hmm, takeaway mm-hmm. is. Like, I can make cases for Kittle and Andrews to both finish as tight end one. Considering, and, and Kelsey could be absolutely amazing this year, but it's a hard pass to take Kelsey in the first when I'm making cases like guys you can get a round or two later. Like, I can make easy cases that they could be tight end one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's no way I would take Kittle in the or Kittle, uh, Kelsey in the first round. And with that, thank you everybody for checking out the first part of this what's going to be a three part podcast. 
Uh, we recorded for two and a half hours. This, hands down, was probably my favorite podcast of the entire year in terms of just entertainment, having a good time, really talking about some fantasy football. I feel like we did a really good job of kind of balancing everything on this episode. So I really appreciate everybody from from Ben Cummins, Derek Brown, Matty D, Ryan, Cody. You know, it, it was a heck of a lot of fun. You're really going to enjoy the next two episodes, so please make sure you check those out. We're going to be checking out the, the middle rounds of the next episode, and then it'll be the late rounds after that. Um, there was a lot of debauchery, a lot of uh, laughs. I got uh, a little off the rails, but it, it was a lot of fun. So be sure to tune in uh, the rest of the week. The next one should be out on Thursday, and then the other one, with the, the third third part will be out on Friday. So again, I appreciate everybody checking out. We appreciate all the support we've been getting lately. We're really seeing a lot of good a lot, a lot, a lot of good uh, feedback and a lot of good support. So please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, you know, Leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast. And please, if you could, go over and check out our YouTube channel. We're really starting to grind out a lot of content there, a lot of native content for YouTube. Um, so we really appreciate all the support. Uh, TFA fam, you, you mean the world to us, and that's why we do this. We're trying to create as much good content for you guys. So we got a lot of exciting stuff to be able for you guys to interact with us more uh, on a more personal level as well. So be sure to tune into that, and we have some probably some shirts coming out as well. So anyways, I'll stop rambling on, and I'll see you again tomorrow. Peace. No, it doesn't even matter. Don't you worry that in what it's all about. We hope you enjoy your stay. It's good to have you with us, even if it's just for the day. We hope you enjoy your stay. Outside the sun is shining, seems like heaven ain't far away. It's good to have What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.